Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Hey y'all, this week I have Pamela Brown on the podcast. She talks all things Gyms Act and how we as yoga professionals in the United States can lobby our Congress people in order to help get relief to the yoga studio owners and boutique fitness businesses that have been really struck hard during COVID. Let me remind you again, we've shrunk likely around 30%. That's a lot of us that have had to close our spaces and a lot of debt that was taken on by small business owners in order to sustain their businesses. So stay tuned, listen to the end, and make sure you take those action steps that Pamela lines up for us. Hey everyone, welcome to Working in Yoga. This week I have the incredibly smart Pamela Brown on the podcast and she is going to talk all things about the Gym Act, Gyms Act. But first, what I want Pamela to do is tell us about where she where you are and what you do and what brought you to yoga. Well, well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, Rebecca, and um it's it's just it's a pleasure. So my name, obviously, it's Pamela Brown, and I own a studio called Align Brooklyn. We are located in Brooklyn. Imagine that. We're in an area called Park Slope, and we're in the south part of Park Slope. Um, The community that we serve is just very diverse, people from all walks of life, all religions, all, you know, ethnicities. And our, you know, the goal with our space was always to create a humanistic community where people value each other as humans first and have sort of a break and an oasis from the world that tends to, you know, put dollar signs on us and value us in in some sense through like as cogs. So this is really a, a people censored community. And I think that's what people love it. We offer a variety of yoga we offer mostly vinyasa flow and but we also offer iyengar we have a yoga wall in our studio and then we also do offer some fitness classes and the beauty of that is that people the basis for the studio is the ethics of yoga and the spirit of yoga that comes into all of those different kinds of classes which people don't find very often Ooh, I love that so much. We need more of that in yoga. People who are talking about really the philosophy, the underlying principles of what make us all tick. Yeah, and what connects us rather than what 
you know, divides us. Um, we decided to offer additional classes because we wanted to make sure that the community was diverse. And we found that by doing that, you know, you really got a variety of different people. And sometimes people would come because they wanted to take like a bar class or even a hit class. And our hit classes include like meditation and things that involve yoga, but um, we sneak it in and then we find that those people actually go and they start taking yoga and they start doing meditation practice and they want to know much more about it. So it's been a great, great, and, you know, it's been a, it's been a great way to bring like a non dogmatic kind of approach to, to yoga and movement and what the philosophy kind of, um, kind of means mostly I would say in terms of coming together as a, as a community that's, you know, really, really bonded by, by breathing together, by practicing together, by moving together. I, one of the things I think that you said that's really smart is this idea that people can slide into a yoga practice through other methods. Like I, I, when I was a younger, say less experienced teacher, I was much more dogmatic about what I thought yoga should be, right? It was just going to be in this box, right? And I sometimes see even my staff members who haven't been teaching as long have sort of that same mentality. But after you have been at this long enough, I think that we get much more open and willing to just say, you know what, I want you to make your life better. However you get there, that's great. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that that's so incredibly true and so, so important. We have so much value to bring to people. And I, I love, I mean, you know, every studio is different. Everyone has a different philosophy. But the thing that has been sort of the spirit of our studio has been trying to bring people together from a variety of different places and create like a very idealistic community. And I think that that's really happened. I mean, you know, in our area, we do, we have a lot of, um, you know, um, like Orthodox and Hasidic Jews who live in Brooklyn. And we've actually gotten a lot of different, you know, of people to come from that group, which is a group that tends to not necessarily find ways to integrate with the sort of so-called the mainstream. But we've had members come from, from that religious group who have told us how much they appreciate the kind of space that the studio is and how much they feel at home there. And I think that that to me is like a big win. That's like, it's all worth it when I hear something like that, because I, I just think that that's the, that's the way that we move towards, you know, something as big of a goal and as idealistic as like world peace. And if we can't come together and find commonality, we're never going to get there. So that's, that's been the thrust I'd say of our, of our space. Oh, that makes me so happy. So here's <laughs> something I guarantee you didn't know about me. My father's a Hasidic Jew or oh, was a Hasidic Jew. I had Jew no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that makes me super happy and excited. That's yeah. so cool. That's so, you know, it's, it's really, really amazing to see just different how people can connect and how, um, where they can come together. And that's been just really powerful, really, really powerful. And that's the thing that to me does make it, you know, worthwhile. Oh, that's so cool. So tell me a little bit, the reason why I asked you on today is because I feel like out there in the community, we as 
especially US-based yoga studio owners and yoga professionals are not talking about the GYMS Act enough. And the GYMS Act is coming up in September. Hopefully we get moved into the relief process. Good gracious, I, I know we both run studios, but I know we love it. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So the GYMS Act is a bill that has been introduced to both the House and the Senate. and. The bill is, I'm sorry, my dog is squeaking a toy. I hope that's okay, because it's going to be hard for me to get it away from her. But the GEMS Act is the bill. It was introduced in the House and also the Senate. It provides 45% of 2019 revenue to any any entity that's classified as a gym in tax code. And the reality there is that we yoga studio owners, I didn't know this. And I think that most of us didn't know this, but we are in fact classified as gyms. I think that it's debatable whether that's the correct classification, but it is what it is. And we are considered to be gyms. So the GYMS Act would provide that. Now, one of the things with the GYMS Act is that, and with bills uh, in Congress generally, is it's a little bit, it's really arcane, it's really complicated, and nobody really seems to know the rules very well, and everything is constantly changing, and there's so many rules, you know. So with this, the goal was relief, not necessarily the passage of the bill as a standalone bill. The threshold for a standalone bill is is really, really high. I believe it's 290 co-sponsors in the House in order to get even to the point of a a standalone bill. So that's unachievable. And so what our goal has been is to get the bill added to the, or to get relief, not the bill, but relief added to use the bill essentially to raise awareness and to make the demand for relief and to get that to be added to the, to be added to the the budget reconciliation. And so to add to, to get the bill added to the Budget Reconciliation Act. So we have a really slim margin of, you know, Democrats versus Republicans. And um, unfortunately, because of that, it's really, really hard to get anything done at all. It just is like one vote, you know, who that decides pretty much everything in this country at this point. And so with the Budget Reconciliation Act, there isn't there is a process by which we can add allocations to the small business um, committee and hopefully get allocations to support relief for us. What's happened right now, so it's really, really essential that we continue to advocate for this act right now. So that's like the most important thing that we can do because it's just, it's imperative, right? Because the decision is going to be made in the next few weeks. Right now, the Senate has voted on a budget and that budget is I believe it's $3.5 trillion. It's just, it's the budget for the whole, um, for it's the budget for our country, basically. And 
they've voted on the top line items and they've allocated something they've allocated you know many billions of dollars i believe it's 25 billion and there may be a different allocation in the house but they've allocated a certain amount of money to go to small businesses in one form or another right and so that is where we have a chance to get sort of a slice of that so the bill as written in the gym as the gyms act is 30 billion is what we're saying that our industry needs um with that's probably about accurate in terms of what the true need is and when the restaurants got their bill passed they were they asked for 45 but it was changed in the senate which Chuck Schumer was involved in, Senator Schumer, Schumer, who's our senator in New York. And they got the difference between their 2019 revenue and 2020 revenue, which is obviously, in many cases, significantly more than 45%. So, um, so the idea here is that we would be able to get a slice of that. But truthfully, Rebecca, this the time is now. And the problem for our industry has been that we have not been able to get um, the word out and we haven't had the kind of organization that like the restaurant industry had. They came in with the organization. We were just trying to like deal with being closed, being super small businesses, being shut down for long periods of time. What's going to happen next? And we didn't have the organization that, that we needed to. If this happens again, hopefully not, but if it does, we will be much better organized and ready. But we haven't had the organization that we needed to have in order to get this done too, because we probably needed to be in the earlier phase because right now the government has pivoted and they're saying, we don't want to provide any more relief. Relief is over. We're now moving to infrastructure. If anyone gets relief, it will be children and they'll probably do some programs to support uh, children right now, because we know that that's an issue for many, many people. And so the status, the current status of the Gyms Act is that this is really our real last chance. I mean, the bill can continue and we can try to get 290 votes. We can try to get it passed maybe as a Senate bill, but those paths are really unlikely compared to getting part of this money. So we have to advocate. One of the things that's been really salient to me has been the fact that yoga studios in particular have not had an opportunity to be fully involved. I have posted on from time to time on the yoga studio owners group on Facebook and some other uh, little groups that I'm a part of, but that by no means can reach the industry. The Yoga Alliance would really need it, have needed to be involved and, and acted as an advocate for the yoga industry, but they did not do that. They did not do that because they, my understanding is that they do not agree that yoga studios are gyms or should be classified as gyms. And we can argue that point, but they didn't want to sort of, as the Yoga Alliance put themselves out there for something that's called the Gyms Act and something that involves like gyms, because there is a divide. Is yoga, you know, a spiritual endeavor or is it a, you know, movement endeavor? And how do those things come together? We've all been involved as studio owners in conversations, right? Around like, 
the mix of those different things and how do you balance all of that? And it's really complicated, but not getting aid for the people on the ground who care about yoga so much that you're willing to put yourself out there to own a low, a, a low margin. The margins for yoga studios are slim, you know? Like we're not making like a killing owning a yoga studio. It's just how it is, right? It's a labor of love. And to not support those people for me is really, was a huge, huge mistake, particularly because, you know, it's not only, you know, uh, wealthy white women who open yoga studios. There are many, much more so than any other fitness endeavor. This is a diverse industry in terms of the economic class that people are are coming from and racially you know ethnically you just shared that your father is acidic i mean like we have a huge amount of diversity and so we can't just assume that people can stay afloat without any help at this point after these long closures so i'm personally really disappointed that the yoga alliance didn't reach out within the industry substantially to advocate for this bill. They did do some things in support. They were signed on an important letter that was sent, but they haven't really stuck themselves out with their membership. And we really needed to ask people on the ground, the public, and to tell them the kind of pain that we are in from the financial hit of this. Sorry to talk so long, but <laughs> please don't apologize because honestly, I want to know if you're in the market for a best friend because I can't agree with you more. Like, can we be yoga studio best friends? Uh, like, of course we can. I like, love new friends for sure. Truly. I agree with everything that you said. I mean, I have said, I have actually had discussions about for years how I, I truly believe that yoga needs a professional organization. We need a true professional organization that represents both studios and teachers effectively and actually advocates for what we need, what not what ideally, like, like, like I understand why people don't want to discuss or people have a hard time understanding that studios are gyms. I, I understand, but I would also like to separate business from the tradition and discipline of yoga for a hot sec and just say we have to go somewhere and the fact is we all run fairly empty spaces where people have to stand inside breathing the same air for an hour that is true of us that is true of a fitness studio that is true of a crossfit gym and i'm still listening i truly truly can't agree more with what you said because i think the yoga alliance has dropped the ball on us the true people on the ground for the last year i mean it is heartbreaking to watch 30 percent of our industry because that is what they're saying that we have shrunk there's no reason to believe yoga is any different i mean these are people we know these are our neighbors maybe our competition and to not have had relief for us where restaurants got relief. I mean, come on. And I, and what you're saying is so true. I mean, we came together. There are two other, well, there were several other, but two main other three, actually, I would say yoga studios really near us. And 
they are all closed. And, and our space is closed, by the way, too. We're reopening in a new space because we had to relinquish our lease. We all had no choice. I mean, one of the studios, Park Slope Yoga, opened more than 20 years. They are now closed permanently. They're doing online classes. Bend and Bloom Studio, an unbelievably stunning, beautiful studio um, run by a passionate a uh, woman who I consider a friend, her name's Amy, around, I think, for more than 10 years. And they had to give up their space. Um, we were around in our space for six years, since 2014. And we had no choice but to essentially give up our space, which was only because of really an illegal eviction from our landlord. But that's another story. And another studio had recently opened, but was run by someone who's very well known in the yoga world, and they relinquished their space. So of the four, there's one other studio that's newer, that's sort of um, in, in sort, somewhat of a different neighborhood, and they are still operational. But all of the main studios in the area um, are had to close because we could not bring in the kind of revenue online that we would bring in in person. Furthermore, um, I think that you could say safely that studios of all sorts in New York City are probably running at maybe 30 to 40 percent of 2019 right now even. So that is not, in New York City where I am, that is not viable. Most of us are spending 40% of our revenue on rent. Just, right. you know, 30 to 40% will be rent. 30 to 40% is going to be labor. There's no way that you can long-term, you're operating, you cannot operate at a loss on these numbers for that long. You know, so the you know, even, even taking it away from yoga and looking at it, just fitness studios, right? Fitness studios have been closing at a staggering rate. And now to be frank with you, due to these new mandates in New York city, we have a vaccinated only mandate that started yesterday. And due to those mandates, it's, those mandates are not going to affect Equinox and SoulCycle and, you know, these huge um, solid core or any of these mega uh, chain studios. These mandates affect the people who are operating in much more diverse communities where there may not be full agreement on the vaccine. And that's a legitimate, you know, situation. We serve all people who want to improve their lives through better mental and physical practices. We don't say who can come and who can go from our studio. We create a space intentionally where everybody can belong. It's against my personal principles to bar anybody for any reason from the space. And even when we've had difficult clients, it's a, it's, and everyone knows what I'm talking about, who's a studio owner. There's always like yeah. one person who's really an outlier you know, our personal policy has always been to work to ensure that they could participate in some way in the space. That is, I don't think that we have ever barred a single person from uh, coming to the studio, except one person who made some very unfortunate racist comments, and that would destroy the community in other ways. So I don't, 
uh, so these mandates, you know, I'm I happen to have some information about some cert, uh, polling that went on in only the small studio level, not the big studio. And 70 percent say that these mandates will close them down. You know, studio owners are having to fire employees now who in what for whatever reasons they have do not want the vaccine. They do. It's you know, they don't want to take the vaccine. And so they're now firing people, longstanding employees, right? Staff, people who care passionately because of a city mandate and facing yet another closure with no relief, with no relief from our city, from our state or from our federal government. And that is a really sad state of things when the when the one thing. If you want to look at the underlying reasons that somebody gets really sick from COVID, barring any outliers, which I 100% acknowledge that there are always outliers to this, it's always about their nutritional status. It's about their metabolic health. And those are things that we improve in every single one. I don't care what practice you choose. Every single one of our practices improve that. Yoga has a profound um, profound effect on people's ability to um, to regulate stress, to regulate and manage stress. Stress has an incredible impact on our metabolic health. That is the fact. That is not a that is should not be a controversial statement. But in this world, it almost feels like I shouldn't even be saying that because the truth is that if we could just get more people coming lot to our all of our businesses uh, yoga pilates but i don't care what it is just getting people in forming connection connection is also something that that creates health actually we know that yeah. from the blue zones we know that you know so to break the connections break the bonds that people have formed in our very special spaces it's such a bad public health policy this is, in my opinion, the wrong direction for public health. And what we should be doing is we should be supporting people at learning how to take better care of themselves in all the ways that we do that and providing relief so that we on the ground, we're like the public health level at the community level. Like we offer that to people in all of our different different ways of doing it which are necessarily diverse and the diversity of our approaches is, is, is a beautiful thing, right? It doesn't need to be boiled into one kind of approach. But I think that we are the people on the ground that do public health in our community in a variety of different ways. And to, you know, to undermine us, just, it doesn't make any sense to me if we really care about the public. Yeah. I, I, you know, you had said something in that that I also think is really important that uh, the public health aspect of what we're doing, the fact that that is on the shoulders of us as business owners is yet another weight that we are bearing on top of having to, I mean, in vaccinated, vaccine mandated spaces, you're firing staff and you're figuring out how to pay rent and you're figuring out again, okay, I have to raise my prices likely 25 to 35% at least in order to because you're operating at half capacity at best. I mean, yes, these are all factors that I think people don't really understand for those of us who are owning the brick and mortar space. And there's really not been 
much talk about it because I, I see that owners have a tendency to not talk about the struggles at all or to talk about them with pity language, like saying, feel bad for me because of this, instead of just mm. being really frank. Like the truth is that business owners, if there's anything we know about entrepreneurs, right, we're in it and we're going to figure out every every weird solution we possibly can because that's there's something in us that wants us to keep our businesses going. But we we're not talking about how hard that's been. I mean, I, I had a list. I made a list of things I've learned in the last 18 months, including how to homeschool my kids while working from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. so that they were asleep and I was homeschooling, you know, like all the stuff we've done in the last 18 months. And I tried to make a podcast about this, Pamela, and I cried. Like, mm-hmm. It's yeah. been hard as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Yeah. And you know, you're raising such an important point because if you what's self-evident to any studio owner is that the majority of us are women. We are majority women. And the fact of the matter is that res- restaurants are only 7% owned by women. That's according to the James Beard Foundation. Only 7% of restaurants are owned by women. So all of our relief aid that went to restaurants went predominantly to men and the the booming boutique studio industry has been dominated by women we've created women and the spaces are also dominated by women 80 plus percent across the whole country are women who want these spaces who are willing to pay more to be a part of a community of typically other women but of course men as well but who want that sense of a shared smaller, more intimate kind of a place to take care of their body and their mind, right? And it's seen our business, the most, you know, most women led businesses don't really even generate a hundred thousand dollars in revenue a year. That's the vast majority. I think that only four percent generate over half a million in revenue in a year. In New York City where my business is, that's a very standard I mean, most of our studios generate more than half a million dollars in revenue a year. So we're in like a rare category of women owners. And I would say that most of the studios across the country exceed the the standard amount of money that that women are generating in revenue the vast majority, because we found an interesting space for ourselves, whereas all the other spaces and all these other industries did not allow for that kind of success and leadership and to find a way to become, you know, how do we lead these businesses? It's very different than how businesses in other industries are led predominantly by men. There's a very different approach that we have. And I think that it's also unethical for, frankly, our federal government to to make this pandemic be on the shoulders of women. They've put the pand- the cost of this pandemic on two shoulders. One, on the small business owners, they pushed us into extreme debt. We'll be at nearly a million dollars in idle debt before we're done with this mess, okay? And so, and that's me and my husband I'm referring to. Um, and then women, because women had to do all the childcare, all the additional work, still run a business, still try and work. I mean, you're talking about having to work until two in the morning. And I'm sure that, you know, of course, that's not great for your health. 
Like, how are you taking care of yourself? They've made it virtually impossible. Um, so I'm, I really hope that we can get relief at some point, but I do believe that it's going to take loud voices coming from the ground to let our Congress people and our senators know that we have to have relief and that we are incredibly, dare I say, essential to our communities. And it's, in, it's just absolutely inexcusable that they have left the one women-led you know, business grouping of all of the ones that are shut down to just fend for ourselves. And yet they say that they want to you know, support women and all of this stuff, but do they do it? Where are the actions? Let's see some money for our losses. We have extreme, our business was down 80% from one year to the next. And my husband and I, we, this is how we live. Like we're not rich people. We live, we work really hard, by the way, to, you know, sustain a business that our only goal, right, is to create harmony in our community and improve people's health and well-being. Why should we pay for a crisis that is not our fault and when everything we do has only been to help people to ultimately be resilient against something like a virus? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> like, like the thing people at home can't see is that I like my editor always tells me to stop talking when someone else is talking because he has to edit out all my yeses and mm's. So I'm like throwing my hands up in the air. <laughs> like it's re- because it's really true. I mean, we are a woman led business. And yes, there is something absolutely magical about the safe spaces that boutique spaces are really making that women can come, they can feel safe, they can explore how they're moving their bodies, how they can feel better about themselves. They can talk about their lives and their stress. And that's so critical. Like what we do is important and you're right, we deserve relief. So before we go, Pamela, tell everybody listening, what thing, What? let's give them an action step. What are our action steps? Because I'm gonna link notes to all the gyms act in the podcast so that people can get links to that stuff. What can they do? The thing to do right now, and I'm going to actually find the link. If you go to, so URSA is an organization that is, it's a fitness. It's been a, it's been for the fitness industry and it's, it's really our main trade organization. Okay. Um, Yoga Alliance, was supposed to be that for yoga studios, but um, obviously I've already stated my um, extreme disappointment in their approach to this problem. But if you just go to URSA, which is IHRSA.org, okay, you can find out about this amazing and growing organization. And you'll see right on the front page a button that says Gyms Act Save Fitness. And it's a white button. It's right on their cover page. So go there 
And that will get, once you click into that, you can join a campaign and it'll show like the letters to your senators. You put in your zip code, they'll tell you who to write to um, and produce a letter. You can modify the letter. You can do what you want. I suggest modifying the letter if you're passionate about it so that they know that you care. Tell the story of your studio, tell who you serve and why you're important to your community and let them know how, what the impact of not receiving this aid will be you know, on you if you have to go into 2022 with no federal help at all to manage this crisis, right? This is a global crisis. We have millions of people who have died and this is a tragedy and we absolutely need to have relief so that we can make it to the other side. Um, so go there and you can, you'll find all the information that you need. This right now, we're really looking to, um, to approach our senators and our Congress people. The other thing that you can do, let's say that you really want to take another a really big action, just go online. You can easily find your senator's phone number. Call, your, call both your senator and your Congress people. Get on the phone. Those phone calls are the most meaningful thing that you can do. They really rate phone calls like as the highest possible action. So pick up the phone, someone will answer and say, you know, who you are, where your business is, and let them know that they need to include relief in the budget reconciliation. And we have to have that relief and yes. that you won't vote for them. Maybe you won't vote for them. Maybe you'll look to other candidates. I mean, seriously speaking, that's what our representatives that's what matters to them. And that's what's been lacking um, for us. One other action, if you want to really up level, is email your community. Tell the community, as you said, matter of fact, we need relief in order to sustain this community. This is, we've been, you know, we need your help now. We're calling on you to help us. All we want you to do is to go to this link. There's a link for um, studio for business owners and a link for members. Click on that member link. You can even make it easy for them, make a little button and let them know that they need to do that. And they need to hear from us so that even if we don't get this relief, that they'll, that they'll know that we are still in need of relief because you know this pandemic is just constantly unfolding. We don't know when the next opportunity will arise, but hopefully there will be you know, an opportunity to um to get this relief yes so i'm going to sum up we need you to call your senators and your representatives so this is easy info you guys just go onto whatever state you're in find your two senators find your representative you that's like a one second google call them easy phone call say hey we need relief for the gyms and fitness centers right because yoga folks are included in that if you're a yoga studio teacher listening to this the reality is our industry exists in the studios. You need us to survive too. Get on the phone, call your Congress people, call your senators. Step two, if you own a business, you need to email your community. Make it fun, make it easy, say, hey, this helps all of us. The stronger that we can be when we come out of this pandemic, the better for everybody. That means we have a viable industry. That means that we can keep the money coming to the hard workers who have cried tears and figured out ways, and as you said, taken on debt in order to maintain their businesses. So those are your steps. Talk to your representatives and Congress people, 
talk to your senators, email your communities. Thank you so much. I cannot express. Thank you so much. This is so important for us to talk about. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly been a pleasure and um, I really appreciate it. Best of luck with your podcast. It was really a wonderful experience today. Thank you. Thank you again, Pamela, for coming on the podcast and being so smart and laying out exactly what we need to do in order to advocate for ourselves for some relief here in the United States. Now, if you want to find Pamela and what she's doing in South Parksville, Brooklyn, check out her website, www.alignbrooklyn.com. And next week, we have the one and only Dr. Amy Wheeler on the podcast. Now, those of you who are familiar with the yoga therapy world will know her name. And Amy and I are talking all things poverty mindset in the yoga space. So stay tuned.